Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered with your host, Josh. Today, I'm going to be talking about the Nuggets beating the Heat, more on the PGA Tour merger, Dalvin Cook running back for the Vikings, officially gets released. I react to that. Uh, Phoenix Suns are discussing the future of Chris Paul, DeAndre Aiden. I'll get into both of those, as well as the final offer, Lionel Messi, uh, was given by Saudi Arabia, and... Uh, my prediction was pretty close. And then Golden Knights-Panthers game three tonight, pivotal game for the Florida Panthers and NHL. But let's get started with the Denver Nuggets beating the Miami Heat. Now yesterday, I was very confident in the Denver Nuggets. That was kind of like my big lock. Uh, If you didn't listen to my podcast yesterday, you know, I said, I bet my car on the Nuggets winning. I bet 10 years worth of future salaries on the Nuggets. That's how confident I was in the Nuggets to win this game yesterday. And they didn't disappoint. The Nuggets, and I'm going to start with the Nuggets, the Nuggets were great. In particular, their duo, again, I think is can be said it is the best duo in the NBA. Uh, Nikola Jokic was sensational. 32 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. A triple-double. He was efficient, 12 of 21. Made 7 of 8 free throws. He was really good. He had his fingerprints on all the scoring. And so did Jamal Murray. If it wasn't Jokic, it was Murray, the other member of that duo. He got more hot, especially in that first half, than Jokic. Uh, he finished with 34 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. They're the first duo ever, not just in playoff history, but in regular season history, to have 30-point triple-doubles. When Murray is on like this, they're unbeatable. They really are. And he was on for a majority of those Lakers games. Uh, that's why they got swept. Uh, Butler had great defense on Murray in Game 2. Last night was not the case, and Murray went off, Jokic went off, so it didn't matter that Michael Porter Jr. went 1 of 7 from a field 2 points. You got Aaron Gordon with 11 points. You got Christian Braun with 15. Uh, You'll take that. He's been very good off the bench, but Jokic and Jamal Murray. There's no stopping that. When they run the pick and roll, and Jimmy Butler's trailing Jamal Murray, and Jamal Murray doesn't have a hand in the face, he'll get those easy buckets. Jokic will work Bam on a bio. It's easy for him. And when the double team um, comes, if it's too late, he'll find the right pass, the guy that's open, and he just makes all the right plays. The Nuggets are just a better team than the Miami Heat. Uh, Jimmy Butler, I thought, had his best offensive game of the series with 28 points. But defensively, he was not as locked in on Jamal Murray as he was in Game 2. I thought Bam offensively held his own little inefficient 21 shots to get 22 points. And again, he can't guard Jokic. Uh, Gabe Vincent was in foul trouble early. He struggled. Uh, Caleb Martin, uh, 10 points off the bench. Um, He has struggled in this series. So, again, 
the Nuggets have the best player, the best duo, um, better team, and that's why they're winning it. To me, the you know key point was, you know, Denver shot fifty-one percent from the field. Miami shot thirty-seven percent. That's to me a factor of the Nuggets' overall defense and the Heat's. To me, they're an eight seed. They're not a great shooting team. They weren't a great shooting team all year. But when Denver shoots fifty-one percent from the field and only twenty-eight percent from three, and they only make five threes and they still win by fifteen, that to me is crazy. Usually in the NBA, the way it's uh, is right now. The team with the more threes, it's going to win the game. So when Miami makes six more threes, you think, oh, it's going to be hard uh, to overcome that. But it's not because Denver did all that other stuff, right? They out-rebounded Miami by 25 points, or by 25, 58 to 33 uh, assists. They had more, 28 to 20. The, they clearly passed the ball much better than Miami. Um, they had... More turnovers, again, surprising. They had 14 turnovers to Miami's eight. That's another big factor, but it didn't matter. Points in the paint, 60 to Miami's 34. Uh, Denver, again, was this their best game they've ever played? No. Was it the best game their duo has ever played? Arguably. Um, I don't think it's their best game ever because, like I said, uh, Michael Porter Jr. struggled. Um, KCP as well. Uh, Aaron Gordon was just all right, but the Nuggets, they're just too good. Uh, they're just better than the Miami Heat. Um, they're up 2-1. Uh, I'll talk about game four tomorrow, but game four is now a must win for the Miami Heat. Uh, they've got to win that one, uh, or else this series, I believe, will be over in five when it returns to Denver. Um, Jimmy Butler, it will have to give a, you know, first-round type of performance against Milwaukee, uh, where he was dropping 56 and 40 points uh, against the Milwaukee Bucks. Andrew Holiday, who I think is a very good defender, and you know, I've, I like Eric Gordon, but he's not as skilled as a Drew Holiday is defensively. But the Nuggets win. They win big like I said they would. Um, I said the Nuggets would win in five or five or six. I think my final prediction was five. Um, and, yeah, to me it, it looks that way like they're going to win in five. Uh, must win tomorrow night for the Miami Heat. Now let's move on to the PGA Live merger. Now, it's not like a bunch of new uh, new news has been uh, brought up, you know, about it. Uh, but, you know, Rory McIlroy, you know, said he hopes Live goes away. But a Live golf official said yesterday that, you know, we don't know the details. This is, you know, the beginning of a merger. But he says Live is not going anywhere. We will continue to be a standalone entity, um, which again makes it interesting that you know why would they merge if they're going to be a standalone entity? Is it just for 
more money to go to the PGA Tour if the live guys are still doing their own thing. Why would you make um, Jay Monahan the CEO of this? Not Greg Norman. Why would you leave him in the dark? Uh, again, those questions to me are very interesting. Um, uh, again, with Liv as well, uh, their TV ratings have been pretty terrible. They haven't provided them, but it looks like they draw poor TV ratings outside. Uh, they don't have a big draw here in the U.S. Um, they've had big crowds in Australia, Singapore. Uh, but outside of that, they haven't really done well in the United States. Um, so again, it is interesting to look at, you know, what is live going to look like? You know, the live official also said it can't exist within the current ecosystem. Uh, so to me, again, it's just awaiting more details. But whenever I hear the word merger, um, again, my company uh, that I work for uh, was part uh, of a merger. We acquired another company and merged with them. Um, I'd rather be uh, the company that acquires another company. I would never want to be the one being acquired. That usually means that, you know, business isn't good. So, again, the PGA Tour kind of acquired live throughout this merger. And, again, the thing I always think about is the office. Uh, when the Scranton branch merged with the Stanford branch for all the office fans out there, what happened? Uh, if the guy in charge is the um, guy that did the acquiring, uh, like in the office, it was Michael Scott of Scranton. His policies and everything stuck in place. So what happened? The Stanford guys, a lot of them left. Now a few stayed. You know, Andy Bernard uh, stayed for the duration of the show. Karen stayed um, for I think the rest of season two or three. Um, she was there for a bit. Um, a lot of guys left relatively quickly. And I know this live official is saying people that it's staying, but I don't think so. I think a lot of these players on live, they went to live to get their paychecks uh, to be relevant on that tour. They come back and it's one group again, the Pat Perez's, the Ian Poulter's, they're not going to be relevant. Who's going to be relevant? Brooks Kepka. That's about it. Maybe Bryson DeChambeau for a stint here and there. Phil Mickelson will never win a major again. Will never win on the PGA Tour again. Uh, again, a lot of those players are irrelevant. Greg Norman, I think, will be gone as well. Again, why acquire the, you know, do this merger? Make Jay Monahan the guy and not Greg Norman. So, again, it's interesting. Uh, I'm warming up to the idea because, you know, Roy McIlroy said that eventually this will be good for the game of golf. Um, Jack Nicholas also approved it. Um, I would like to hear what um, Tiger Woods uh, thinks of it. I think he said, you know, six months, seven months ago that he thought that, you know, 
a decision could be made in terms of uh, merging. So again, we'll see. I would again, I'd like to hear more about it. Um, but maybe they'll just do their own thing. It's funny that you know after this merger and acquisition, the you know Tech Golf League, the TGL, um, which is you know the owned by Roy McIlroy and Tiger Woods. Um, again, in partnership with the PG Tour, announced their little team leagues. You know, Serena Williams, Venus Williams, Serena's husband, Alexis Ohanian, um, have their own team, and they all already already have a lot of good players. I think on their TGL, they have twelve players out or ten players outside of Woods and Rory McIlroy, and that's John Rahm, uh, who's one of the best players in the world. Justin Thomas, another one of the great players, Colin Morikawa. Matt Fitzpatrick, Justin Rose, Adam Scott, Xander Shoffley, Max Homa, Billy Horschel, and Ricky Fowler. So a lot of big names. They also said they're planning on announcing six more players. Um, if, I think if Scotty Scheffler is one of those six, uh, you can kind of book the, this TGL group of 18 players, uh, plus that other group of the Williams sister and her husband, already better than any other players on the live golf league, that's for sure. But again, I'm going to continue to react and cover this as much details come out about this PGA Tour merger. Now let's move on to the NFL. So, decent size news in the NFL. There's a lot of speculation regarding this. But it became official today. If the Vikings tell Dalvin Cook that he will be released if they don't find a trade partner from him today. He'll plan on processing his release um, tomorrow, um, and then he can sign with any team interested once he is released. So I'm going to look at this in two lights. First, the broader Vikings light. And to me, I think this is indicative on the Minnesota Vikings, and I think maybe they felt like their season last year was a bit lucky. They were 11-0 in one-score games last year, 12-0. Again, they finished 13-4. So you think 13-4, why would you cut your star running back who's had four 1,000-yard seasons, uh, who's a very productive running back, even though he kind of gets dinged up for a game here or there? Why would you do that if you win that many games or defending your division crown? I think in their heart, they know it was fluky. Um, They got beat handily by the Giants, and I know it was only a touchdown game in which the Giants won. But the Giants controlled that game. Uh, They did. I think the Vikings, uh, looking at this year, um, you know, it could be a rough start for them. Um, You you know, are not going to replicate going 11-0 in those one-score games or 12-0. So let's say you go 6-6, you take six wins to the 13-4, six losses. That's... 10 losses, so you'd be a 7-10 and 10 team. And to me, that's where I think they're at. I think they are around that 8-9 and nine record. And I'm just going to do a quick prediction of your schedule now without Dalvin Cook. And I, Dalvin Cook's a little bit of a factor, but he's not a huge factor. Like, I think they open with a win against the Vikings. That's a win. Um, then they play the Eagles. I believe that's a loss, 1-1. One and one. Chargers, very good team. I think they lose 1-2. Uh, and two. Uh, they play the Panthers. Um, again, P- 
Panthers, I think, will be much better. So I believe they're one and three. Um, the Chiefs, they then play one and four. Uh, Bears will be a win, two and four. 49ers will be a loss, um, two and five. Uh, Packers win, uh, three and five. Vikings, four and five. Saints, um, five and six, or five and seven. Uh, Broncos win, uh, six and seven. Bears again, seven and seven. Uh, Raiders, maybe eight and seven. Bengals, eight and eight. Uh, Lions, eight and nine. Packers, uh, you know, win. The Lions lost. So I really do think around that eight and nine mark is where they'll be at this year. Um, they're turning to Alexander Madison. Well, I think he's a good running back. Definitely don't think he's on the level of Dalvin Cook. Um, so we'll see how they work. But to me, it looks like it's a bit of a retooling year. And I think they know, hey, we're not winning the Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins, a quarterback. Let's see how this year goes. Maybe, you know, the trade deadline, I have them around, you know, five and six, five and seven around there. Maybe if they're worse than that. Um, maybe they trade Kirk Cousins, go into full tank mode and try to get Caleb Williams into tank tank after that. But we'll see if, you know, again, they're worse than that if they only have four or three wins at that point. So where can Dalvin Cook go? What team wants him? Well, to me, I think the Dol- he's going to the Dolphins. Now, that's not just because of his recent Instagram story post or post where his game was against the Dolphins. Um, the Dolphins have expressed interest in him. Um, he is, again, went to Florida State, likes that area. I believe he said the two teams he wants to play for are Miami down there in Dolphins or with his brother James Cook in Buffalo. Um, I think Buffalo would be, to me, the best fit um, considering – they don't trust any of their running backs. Uh, James Cook is not on the level of Dalvin Cook. Maybe if you just sign Dalvin to a one-year deal, again, I'm not a fan of Singletary or any of their running backs. So getting uh, him would, I think, be a very, uh, very great uh, piece for this team. Um, you have the defense, I feel. If you can get a solid running back, i take some of that pressure off Josh Allen's legs. Uh, make them more dynamic, more balanced. That's personally the best fit. But again, I think he's going to Miami. Now, I think Miami would definitely benefit from having him. Uh, he would be their, um, you know, number one uh, guy, their number one running back. Um, they have Raheem Mostert. They have Jeff Wilson. Uh, on the roster, I still think Raheem Mostert is that home run hitter. If you will, he gets an open space, uh, make a cut or two. Um, he is gone. Um, Jeff Wilson Jr., a um, little bigger, a little physical back. I think Dalvin Cook's a, definitely a much better version of Jeff Wilson. Uh, you add that, and you just have so many offensive weapons. You've got, again, Raheem Mostert, Miles Gaskin, uh, Dalvin Cook, um, what's his name, Tyreek Hill, uh, Jalen uh, Waddle. Uh, your left tackle, Taron Armstead, is really good. So you have all these weapons surrounding Tua. It's just on him not getting hurt and distributing the ball to his weapons. Uh, I definitely think he's going to sign with Miami, 
even though if I'm Buffalo, I'm definitely entertaining uh, that option to go out and get him. Other NFL news. Bryce Young is now officially QB1, so congratulations are in order for Bryce Young. He's been elevated to QB1. He was the number one draft pick, so this has been coming. Um, Why is this now news? Well, Andy Dalton was listed as the starter until now. He was getting, um, you know, the drills with the first team units. So Frank Reich said, hey, we're taking the next step in elevating him to Bryce Young. And I'm glad because you don't draft your quarterback. for You don't do this. You don't trade up to the number one pick to draft your quarterback to then sit him a year behind Andy Dalton. Uh, you don't do that. So uh, finally, the Panthers made a somewhat – Reasonable move and decision. I'm happy uh, for Bryce Young. I hope he does well in the NFL. And we'll see moving forward uh, with him and the Panthers. Now back to the NBA. Time to talk about the Phoenix Suns. Why am I talking about them? Well, yesterday, some weird reporting... Uh, you know, Chris Haynes reported at TNT, at T- Chris Haynes reported at TNT that the Suns are going to release Chris Paul. Then Woj of ESPN uh, said they're exploring, uh, you know, releasing Chris Paul. It hasn't happened yet, but they don't want to pay him the $30 million. Um, this year, 15 15- you know, only 15 of his $30 million are guaranteed. Uh, if he's waived, they don't want to pay that full $30 million. So they said they were exploring trade opportunities, uh, including Chris Paul and DeAndre Eden. So uh, first I want to talk about Chris Paul. Uh, Chris Paul says he wants to return to the Suns. Uh, again, he's close friends with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Um, but again, he also wants to make a decision quickly because uh, – his family is in LA, so um, I'm a big fan of the NBA trade machine, and I think the best bet's getting waived. Um, I looked at literally every team, and I could not find a team that could successfully take on Chris Paul in a salary and get something, you know, in in return. Like to me, none of the trades made sense, like some float out Marcus Smart for Chris Paul. And to me, that has to be one of the dumbest trades I've ever heard of. If I'm the Celtics, why would I take on Chris Paul, who's 38 years old, going on 39, uh, is brittle, this is one of his worst seasons, he gets injured a lot. Why would I trade a defensive player of the year who is young, and to me is an ascending uh, especially after average, averaging six and a half assists a year, which was his career high. This is a good player, young player. Why would I trade Marcus Smart, who could be in the league seven, eight, ten more years, for Chris Paul, who is literally could be done after this year? To me, that trade makes no sense. 
um, if I'm the Celtics. Now, if I'm the Suns, of course I would take that trade. If I'm the Celtics, ain't no way in hell I do that deal. Um, so again, I don't see any real possibilities to take on that $30 million for that old and give up any younger players. And now that the Suns have already said that, if I'm a team, why would I try to explore a trade now um, if I know that he could get released? I'll just sign him to like a $10, $15 million deal once he gets traded. And honestly, I don't see any spot for Chris Paul on a contender. Again, if I'm the Celtics, I feel like I don't need him. I got Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon. If I'm the Heat, I have Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero. Kyle Lowry is older, but he's younger than Chris Paul. If I'm the Bucks, I have Drew Holiday. Um, if I'm the Nuggets, I've got Jamal Murray. If I'm the Warriors, I've got Steph Curry. Now, the Lakers are the one that they float a possibility on. Um, I think that could work, but I don't want him as my primary point guard. I'd rather have Kyrie or, again, another younger option. Uh, putting Chris Paul on his team does not take me over the top. So, again, I, maybe he gets waived and re-signed with the Suns on a cheaper deal. Um, that would save them the $15 million. Uh, But it's interesting, but I don't see a fit cap-wise with any other team and a good trade, and I don't see him going to a legitimate contender and being a starting point guard. Now, trading DeAndre Ayton is another possibility. So I believe a couple uh, weeks ago, or now it's probably a month ago, I gave Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton trades, and looking at them one for one, again, I think adding CP3 hurts the value of Ayton in that trade. So I have three Ayton trades. The first one is easy. It's DeAndre Aiden for Miles Turner of the Indiana Pacers. Now, Indiana Pacers were interested in DeAndre Aiden. Uh, you know, he was the one that was that had the offer sheet out. The Suns matched it and kept him there. So, do you do that trade? Miles Turner is a you know stretch five. Um, you kind of get Aiden out of the building. You bring in another disgruntled center with his team in Indiana. And hope that the swap rejuvenates both of them as kind of a win-win match of salary-wise. And you see what happens. Let's open trade door number two. DeAndre Aiden and Landry Shamit for Clint Capella and Bogdan Bogdanovich. Now, this trade works um, again for me. Uh, for both teams. Uh, because... The Suns, of course, will need a center in return. They get Clint Capella, who I think is a very good rebounder. You really don't have to worry about his effort as much as DeAndre Eden because you know what Clint Capella's ceiling is. Um, he's not a number one overall pick like DeAndre Eden is. So you get the value there. Uh, you give up Landry Shannon for another shooter uh, in Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, he comes in. I think he fits in well. Um, catch and shoot if they were to keep Chris Paul on a smaller deal. Um, having, again, um, Chris Paul run the point with Devin Booker, but I think Bogdanovich would have a lot of open shots. And I think he hits him, and I think he's more reliable than a Landry Shamit is. Um, so I think that helps out the Suns. Uh, they gain a few wins. I think for the Hawks, uh, 
their you know upside remains the same. You hope DeAndre Aiden. You can unlock another gear with him. Uh, Quinn Snyder is a coach. You know, coached uh, Rudy Gobert to a few defensive player of the years. Uh, can he unlock a defensive side to DeAndre Aiden? And can the pick and roll work with um, Trey Young and DeAndre Aiden? I think that would be very interesting, and I think that's a deal that could be done. Now, let me give you trade option number three, and this is one my brother uh, really likes. And this trade is DeAndre Aiden for Robert Williams and Marcus Smart. And this is assuming, again, the Suns cut Chris Paul. Now, let me, let me tell you, to me, this makes sense for both uh, teams. Uh, for the Suns, it makes a lot of sense because you bring in Frank Vogel, uh, who's your head coach now, who's a very, again, defensive-minded head coach. But guess what? KD doesn't look that engaged as a defender anymore. And same with Devin Booker. Those two don't want to defend. They just want to hoop and score, not play much defense. They're not great defensively. And you look at the rest of their roster right now, None of their players are great defensively. So what do you get? Robert Williams, who is one of the best defensive centers uh, in the league. You don't have to worry again about his effort because once he's in the game, he's always rebounding, putbacks, offensive rebounds. He dominates the glass. That's what you get in Robert Williams. And then you get Marcus Martin, who's a former defensive player of the year, uh, who's great at stealing, um, higher upside of that at Chris Paul. Um, Again, he's averaging six and a half assists. I think that your or that number goes up if you're playing with KD and uh, Devin Booker. So a starting five of Marcus Smart, uh, Devin Booker, uh, a Tory Craig or Josh Okogi, KD and Robert Williams. That's a really good starting five. Uh, if I'm the Suns, I'm taking that trade. Now, if I'm the Celtics, I'm looking at it like, hey, we have too many point guards on the team. We have Marcus Smart, we have Malcolm Brogdon, sixth man of the year, and Derek White. Derek White, we like him a lot. He's a great bench player. I think he can continue to grow that role. You know, Malcolm Brogdon, sixth man of the year, can definitely run the point and be a starter. Um, you have that um, there. If maybe at this point now, if, you know, you trade Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, you don't have to worry about him. Maybe you keep Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Uh, to both those Supermax deals. You have Al Horford and then DeAndre Aiden. And I think this works because DeAndre Aiden goes to a very structured organization, a uh, better organization than the Celtics. And then he has that veteran leadership in the center there in how Al Horford, who can teach him the ropes um, again and maybe build up his confidence and his demeanor and maybe help him with a three-point shot because Al Horford, didn't shoot threes coming into the league, and now he's a 35-40% to 40% three-point shooter. So I think that would be beneficial to Aiden as well. So again, those are my three trades for DeAndre Aiden. Now let's talk about another DeAndre. And that's DeAndre Hopkins of the NFL. Now he was released by the Cardinals a while ago, and... Hasn't been much movement on a future team with him. He visited the Titans yesterday, and I thought it was rather humorous um, because he's talked about his quarterbacks he wants to play with, you know, Patrick Mahomes and, uh, you know, 
Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and Lamar. None of those teams have offered him contracts, but he visits the Titans, so maybe Will Levis will work for him. Um, I think this thing could drag out. I believe he's representing himself. Does that look, you know, did a deal work, you know, happen quickly with Lamar Jackson? Um, who knows where DeAndre Hopkins will go? Uh, but I could see this thing dragging out. We're already into a couple weeks of OTAs and all that, so who knows. Next up, Lionel Messi. So yesterday, uh, you know, it was, I knew that Lionel Messi was reported, uh, you know, had an offer out there from uh, the Saudi Arabians of like, you know, 300 or 400, 500 million a year. So I thought their final offer could have been something like three years, 1.2, 1.3 billion. If it was uh, made official yesterday that the final offer was three years, $1.6 billion. That would have been like the richest contract in sports history. That to me is insane. Why is that so insane? Because we see NFL, we see NFL and, and NBA players get three years, $150 million. That's what we see. Three years. $1.6 billion. Now that's crazy. So to turn down an offer, so, so to me, this is one of those, again, moral things I talked about yesterday on my podcast. Um, and, you know, if I was offered by anybody three years, $1.6 billion, uh, whatever they said for three years, I'd probably take that to get $1.6 billion, not going to lie. That would be very hard not to there'd be some circumstances where I probably wouldn't take it uh but that to me was that was insane uh but he said he wanted to do what was best for his family uh he wanted to live a calmer lifestyle um out of a spotlight so I really do appreciate that from Lionel Messi his honesty his humility and again as I said yes on yesterday's podcast this is going to be the greatest thing in the history of American soccer. Again, the fact that they, the, their stadiums only hold like twenty to 30,000 people. Um, you know, and when he was here a few years ago for his Barcelona stuff, uh, there was crowds wanting him at like 60, 80,000 because they were in sporting uh, arenas like the NFL. So this is huge. The draw that he has, like I said, I'm going to be buying the MLS season pass and I'm going to be watching Messi play uh, with Inter Miami because that's how big of a draw he is. Four of his four, he's literally the greatest of all time. Then lastly, the Golden Knights-Panthers game three tonight. Um, you know, when a lot of people bet on sports, you know, they say, you know, Golden Knights won the first two. Panthers make this a series, have to win tonight. They're at home. Hey, we got to win. And that's kind of a rationale of just a cheap better. Um, but I'm, I have the Golden Knights winning tonight. And a, and a large reason to that is, it's usually a lot different in the NHL, and this is the point I'll make about NBA and compared to the NBA for a series. Not a lot changes in the NBA series to series. Now the coach makes adjustments, uh, maybe a small starting lineup tweak, but it's never something huge like Rui Hachimura or Dennis Schroeder in for uh, D'Angelo Russell. Isn't really like a big sway, like ooh. Wow. But when you have when you started. Different goaltender in the NHL for a Stanley Cup final game. That's usually a big deal. Usually out of, you know, two things, 
they have a vintage performance and you're like, wow, or it backfires on you. And I think in a game of this magnitude, considering the backup didn't look great for uh, the Panthers in Game 2, I think that carries over. I think the Golden Knights are going to take this game seriously, and they take the 3-0 series lead. They win tonight. So this has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you all tomorrow. Bye, everybody.